So much discussion recently about UFOs. Maybe it was the balloons and all the questions that came with that. But it turns out that the hard work of actually looking for alien life out there is ongoing. But how? We were wondering, what is that research process like? And is there even a definition about what life looks like out there? Well, Dr. Nestor Espinoza is with us now, an assistant astronomer at the Space Telescope Science Institute. Good morning. Good morning. How's everything going? Everything is good. Thank you. You tell me because I'm so curious about your work. Like, Do we have a definition of what life looks like when we are looking out into space? We have some ideas. I mean, the main ideas that come up to us is the ones that we see on Earth. And the kind of signatures that appear in our atmosphere, for instance, due to life, we know what those are. And those are the ones that we're, you know, eventually aiming to detect in other planets orbiting other stars out there. Okay, and what do we define that as? Well, we define it as, you know, carbon-based uh, kind of life. Now, you know, many, many people always ask me, like, well, you know, Nestor, you're always looking for the same kind of life that you see here on Earth. But what about if there's other forms of life out there that don't, don't live off of carbon, which is what we know that uh, is life here on Earth. And the, the answer to that is that, that that kind of life we don't know. So we look for what we know for, which is what we see on Earth, which is carbon-based life. And it's, you know, it's products on the atmosphere. Right. How, what do you, what is, what are the signs out there then? Like what, what are the signals? What is, what are the signatures out there that you look for when you're examining deep space? Right. Yeah, so uh, what happens is that we know these fingerprints of these particular molecules that we know uh, are produced hard due to life. Uh, for instance, methane is a big uh, element out there that we know the amount of methane that we have in the atmosphere on Earth, we know a bunch of it is due to life. Uh, we know that some uh, the, the oxygen that we have on Earth combined with this, this signature of methane together in mind make up of what we were, well, would indicate maybe life out there. So if we find those molecules in pair out there, maybe that would hint us, uh, hint us like that life might be in other planets. But quite frankly, uh, the atmosphere of the Earth has changed so much over time. You know, we had the dinosaurs in the past, then, you know, the huge meteor, you know, crash on Earth and that changed the atmosphere. So we know atmospheres also change. It's also a little bit complicated to just look at these molecules in the data and, you know, me screaming like, this is life. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But those are, you know, two of the molecules that we're hardly looking for, methane, uh, oxygen, and also carbon dioxide, which we don't like too much here on Earth due to the global warming, but still looking for it out there. And do we have instruments that can, that can do that? Like, what does this? Yeah, so we have instruments that are capable of detecting some of these constituents that I just told you about in, in other planets. Um, right now, the most powerful instrument that we have to make those detections of, you know, if these planets even have atmospheres out there, is the James Webb Space Telescope, a telescope that I work with day to day. Um, and this telescope actually can, can actually detect part of these molecules in other, in other planets. Um, and this is what we're actually using to start this search for atmospheres around other Earth, uh, which is super exciting. You know, it's a very exciting time to be alive. You know, and science meets science fiction. Yeah, it sounds like it. How far away are we talking about here? Yeah, we're talking, well, you know, 
when you ask distances to ask astronomers, you don't have to take our word for it because we will tell you it's nearby. It's nearby in a cosmic environment. Um, the closest Earth-sized planet that we know of to Earth, it's only four light years away, and to us that's very close. To give you an idea, one light year is the distance that light travels in one year. It might sound like kind of fussy because I'm telling you light year. It sounds like time, but it's not a measure of time. It's a measure of distance. The closest planet to us that it's Earth-sized, that we, we know that it might be habitable, uh, it's only four light years away. In cosmic distance, that's like the average distance between stars. So it's pretty close. It's our, it's our stellar neighbor. But now if you want to travel there, well, bad news. Like you can go on vacation there anytime soon because we don't have such fast you know, spacecraft to travel up there in like human years. <laughs> Do scientists agree on what constitutes life on another planet? Is there, do, are we all looking for the same thing? That's an excellent question. Um, I think the broad strokes of what life signatures might be, could be that we somehow agree on some of the broad details of what the signatures will look like. But when you go into little details, like is this life or maybe some chemistry that we're missing that we don't know of, then that gets complicated. We recently had an example here in our own solar system with Venus. There was a detection of phosphine a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Some people claim that it must be live. Some other people claim that, well, maybe it's chemistry that we don't know of. I mean, there has been some discussion on this. And this is what the search for life will look like forever, basically. It's always going to be a debate. It's always going to be scientists going, going back to the, in the white blackboard, trying to figure out if what we're seeing really screaming life or it's something else that we don't know of. Hmm. How, how close are we, do you think, with all this work going on? Is there the possibility that in the next few years we would detect something? The reality of things is that right now we're trying to answer the most basic answer, which is, like, do these planets, Earth-sized planets around other stars, have atmospheres at all? There's many processes that, that can break your atmosphere, and we're trying to figure out if they have atmospheres. That's the first step, and that step we can answer, I think. That step we can answer between, like, the next five to ten years. Now, if there's life on those planets, that's a little bit more complicated. It's going to take us a little bit more. Even with the whole technology that the James Webb Space Telescope has, it's going to be very difficult for the instruments on board it, like, to detect this life that I'm telling you about. But we already have plans. We already have plans for the next big telescope that's going to come in the 2040s, 2050s. The Habitable World Observatory. And right now, you know, as a whole of humanity, if that comes online... That can be your card to tell us if you know, life is really out there or not. Wow, but that's 20 years away. Well, in human years, that's not that much, right? <laughs> like there are, our children can make use of these instruments and, you know, tell us the answer when we're retired. So that sounds like a good deal to me if, they, if you're trying to find life. It's a huge, huge, huge question that, you know, I having the possibility of hearing the, an answer to that within my lifetime that's a price that I'm, I'm totally committed to pay. That's so fascinating. So the work is already being done on that. So the James Webb Telescope, how long was the planning for that to even put that up? Ooh, that was, planning started in the, started like a little bit before the early 90s. So we're talking about more than 30 years in the making. And here we are. We have this telescope on sky and we're exploring the universe with it. An exciting time to be alive again. Amazing. Dr. Espinosa, thank you. No, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.